Well, it's good to be here in God's house this morning, and um, I'm going to just share just a little bit this morning. Uh, we're starting a series here in our church that kind of started last weekend uh, called Do Not Be Afraid. Now, let me just, uh, how many of you here were actually here for the Hang of the Green last weekend? Uh, wasn't an amazing service. Can we just give the, the team a praise for that? Um, yeah, I just wanted to just celebrate. We like to celebrate just things that are going on that, that you know about or maybe you don't know about. But uh, last week's service was just amazing. And that kind of thing doesn't just happen. <clears throat> Some of you just come and go, man, this is just a great service. And uh, many I've heard people say this is my favorite service of the year that we do, um, but it takes a lot of hard work to to make that happen. And so, um, you know, with our music team, with led by Tammy and Tanya, with Pastor Kenny as one of the the driving forces behind the creativity part of that, our our media team, which are up in the Eagles Nest, they're way up there in the, the little window up there, and then our uh, sound guys. Um, not to mention all the singers and the. The praise team, uh, the children, didn't they do a great job? The children did a great job, and our, our students came up and, um, and did a beautiful job of singing. I was especially proud of them. So uh, just a wonderful man, just a, a great time of celebration to kick off the Christmas season. Now let me just ask you, as you were kicking off the Christmas season, how many of you actually kicked it off? Um, th- because there's a little bit of debate. How many of you actually kicked it off? Christmas music started playing the day after Thanksgiving for you. How many th- day after Thanksgiving? Okay. How many of you had to wait till December the first to do that? Nobody. Anybody go back like before Thanksgiving and start see? We can blame Hallmark for that. Um, how many of you have suffered through any Hallmark movies over the last couple of anybody? <laughs> um, Let's, I've watched a couple that I like, and then I've, you know, it plays at our house, and that's, that's all good. Um, I, asked, uh, I asked Tammy and Tanya this week, I said, can y'all make sure that you do this song, Do Not Be Afraid, uh, before I speak? Because today's message, and, and as we go through the whole Christmas story, uh, we're going to see a theme of how, how God shows up in the most fearful, the most terrifying, uh, and the most unexpected ways all the way through the Christmas story. Um, and I'm excited about that, but I just love, I I just love the, the phrase in there that do not be dismayed. Help is on the way. And what we need to understand, if you've ever studied the old Testament, um, between the time of the old Testament and the new Testament, there was a, a dark age. There was a time when there were no prophets spoke. There was 400 years between the prophet Malachi spoke his last uh, speech, his, his last prophecy, the book of Malachi, and when Jesus shows up. So the people, the Jewish people that are searching for Messiah, they are dismayed. And they're wondering, God, have you, have you given up on us? This promise that you gave us in the law, the promise that you gave us in the scriptures, in the prophecies, have you forgotten about us, God, maybe you haven't heard us. But the story of Christmas says, do not be afraid. Help is on the way. So today we're going to look at a story uh, in Scripture. You can go ahead and grab your Scriptures and turn to Luke chapter 1. And I just wanted to share this with you. Um, spoke with Pastor Scott yesterday. Uh, many of you know he's out of town, but I just asked if if he wanted me to share something with you. And here's what he, <clears throat> excuse me, here's what he asked that I would share. Uh, he said, please share with them that I've been able to visit with my mom. And Scott's mom lives in Texas. 
Um, and he said that she's in the late stage of emphysema. And um, he was able to kind of visit and spend a lot of special time with her uh, this week and also some other family in Texas. And he said he is on the way back home. He said something like that. Share something like that. So there we go. Um, you can be in prayer for, for him. He doesn't mention much about his family and uh, his mom, but we can just be, be in prayer for that. Uh, so if you have your scriptures, um, Luke chapter 1, it brings a, a great story. And we're, as we just kind of, as we kind of exegete this and, and kind of break it down, I want you to listen closely for how God screams, do not be afraid. And here's what's going to happen, I promise you. If we will allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us, by the end of this service, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, at the end of this service, we're going to have a special time. And I want everybody to be a part. If you're a follower of Jesus, I want you to be a part of this. If you pray, I want you to be a part of this. Because something's going to happen special as we see what God does through the story of Elizabeth and Zechariah. He's going to answer a question that all of us have been asking. And at the end of the service, I believe God's going to do something great. So let's just, let's just kind of um, jump right in. Let me ask you this question. Has God ever not answered a prayer that you have prayed? Now, let's just, you don't have to stand up, raise your hand, anything like that. But have you ever felt, let's just say, have you ever felt like God didn't answer a prayer that you prayed in faith? How about this? Are you in deep need for God to respond to something in your life right now, and he hasn't seemed to respond to that need. Do you ever wonder if God truly hears you? Now, if we were honest, probably every person in this place would say to one of those questions, yes. At some point in my life, or right now, I feel that way. In the story of Christmas it answers this question. Now, <clears throat> this is the first time I've ever done this. This is uh, one of the five, me- four messages that Pastor Scott's planned to, to uh, share during the Christmas season. So he and I kind of collaborated, which means you kind of work together. I've never really worked together with another pastor on sharing a message. So some of this came from his outline. Some of this came from my, the good stuff came from him. Anything that may not be so good, we'll just, we'll just say that it came from him too. All right. In fact, you won't even know. All right, so uh, we're just going to kind of kind of go from that. Luke chapter 1, I'm just going to ask. We'll have some notes on the screen. You'll probably want to take a few notes, but I want you to follow along in your scripture. So let's go ahead and grab that. Luke chapter 1, verse 5 through 7. Make sure we're good there. We still good? You got me? Luke chapter 1, 5 through 7. In the days of Herod, king of Judah, there was a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. And he and a wife, excuse me, he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous, very important right there. They were both righteous in the sight of God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and requirements of the Lord. And they had no child because Elizabeth was barren. Now this is, this is very important for us to, um, to kind of break down here. So, we have Zechariah, we have Elizabeth. They were righteous people. They loved God. They were serving God. They would be like a lot of us <clears throat> where you feel like, hey, I'm doing what God has called me to do. I, I believe God. I'm a follower of God. They weren't called Christians yet because Christ wasn't here, but they were righteous. They were following God. They lived righteous lives. Now, this is interesting. 
As I was doing a little bit of studying, and we're going to see how the story plays out, their names have a significant meaning. Now, I don't know if your name has a significant meaning. How many of you, y'all were named after somebody? Hands are starting to go up. Are y'all awake? Just kind of nudge your neighbor and said he just asked a question. Yeah, you're named after somebody. Okay, so I was named kind of after somebody. My, my father's name was Larry Thomas Felton. And so my name is Barrett Thomas Felton, but everybody calls me Barry. I'm not exactly sure how that works out. But anyway, the Thomas part came from my dad. Some of y'all may be juniors or, or uh, the thirds or whatever. Your name has significant meaning. Now, when we were naming our children, um, it, it's kind of, it wasn't really spiritual. It was one of those things where, let's see if we could agree on a name that both of us liked, that nobody had a bad experience with that person with that name in the past. Are y'all with me on this? So whenever we were naming Emily, um, <clears throat> Christy wanted to name her Caroline. Well, y'all don't know this person, so that's fine. Um, so my principal at my, my, my high school had a daughter named Caroline who was just, she was so aggravating and she was just, we couldn't name Emily Caroline because of the Caroline I had grown up with. And so, and then I wanted to name uh, Will Preston because my mom's middle name was Preston and I thought Preston was a good name. And Chrissy said, no, that's not a good name. It doesn't sound right. So, I mean, have y'all ever gone through this discussion with your spouse? Anybody ever gone through this discussion with your spouse? So uh, it's interesting how Emily and William came to be. Nothing spiritual. We didn't name them after anybody in the scriptures. I mean, we probably should have. Um, but <coughs> names have a significant meaning. Uh, the name of Zechariah means this. That, that, now write this down. This is good. Yahweh has remembered. Now, when you're going to see how the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth plays out, it's going to be interesting that his name is Yahweh has remembered. Elizabeth's name is this. My God is an oath. My God is a promise. Okay? So now we jump into the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth, and they're righteous. The scripture says they were righteous people. Um, I wonder if they ever asked God this question. God, do you remember me like my name says? Are you really keeping your promise to me, your oath to me? That's my name. Yahweh remembers. You, do you really remember where I'm at? You ever ask God, God, do you really know where I'm at? Have you remembered that I'm down here doing what I'm doing? Because here's the deal. They were childless. The Bible says that they were uh, advanced in years. Now, how many of you here are advanced in years? Just all, all matter of perspective, right? Here's what we know. The advanced in years part meant they couldn't have children at this point in time. They couldn't, by man's perspective, have children. So they were advanced in years. They were childless. Imagine this, getting married, waiting for the day when Elizabeth runs to you and says, I'm pregnant. But it never happens. They go through their 20s, their 30s, their 40s, 50s. I mean, I guess you can still... I don't know how that works, but I think it, some people will do that. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, so they're, they're at least there and probably advanced even past that in years, and it never happens. Some of you have actually faced this issue. I wonder if they prayed about the issue. What do you think? You think they ever prayed that God would give them a child? Sure they did. A child means an heir, a lineage, a great honor. 
Childlessness implied that there was a curse back then, that there was a curse on you. Maybe you did something wrong. Maybe there was some kind of sin. And they wanted a child so much. God, is that too much to ask? We're righteous people. We're serving you. You ever wondered that kind of thing? Have you ever said this? God, I'm asking for blank. Is that too much? So they asked and they asked and they prayed and they prayed and and now they're old and barren. Now they didn't even pray probably for a child anymore. How crazy would that be? Okay, babe, we're getting ready to uh, go to bed. Let's have our prayer time or we're getting ready to pray around uh, mealtime or maybe we're just having a prayer time in small group or whatever they did back then. And uh, hey, are we still going to pray for that prayer we've been praying for? Honey, we're advanced in age probably need to quit praying for that. I don't know if that conversation ever happened. They're still childless. I wonder if they ever got angry at God. What do you think? You ever think they got frustrated? Now this is, I'm kind of treading on, on thin ice here, but I believe when, when we get to where they are and feel where they are and see what God did, we realize God can do that in the middle of our circumstance. So let's, let's keep track, tracking. <clears throat> they had no idea what God's plan was. None. Zero. You know what? We have no idea what God's plan is. We don't. You don't know what your, your, God's plan is for your life, which he's planned since the beginning of time. And God had a plan. Let me say this, and I believe this to be true. A prayer prayed in faith is never unheard and never goes unanswered. A prayer prayed in faith is never unheard by God and it never goes unanswered. Let's, let's keep tracking because that's a, that's a very bold statement to make, especially in the situation that some of you are in. We've got a friend that we were, Christy and I were kind of talking about this, my message yesterday, and I kind of preached it to her this morning while she was putting her makeup on. And how was that, babe? Oh, it was great. You know, just kind of keeping on her makeup. Um, some people don't feel that their prayers have been heard. So let's just keep on seeing what the scripture say because we know that the scripture is absolutely true. Got a quick personal illustration. There's somebody I've been praying for for about 20 years, uh, 15 years. Nothing. Nothing. I've been praying for their salvation. Been working hard to try and reach out to them. The more that I pray, they seem to get farther away from God. Nothing. Nothing. God, do you hear? I'm praying this prayer in faith. Do you hear me? Or are you going to answer? What do you do when you've prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed? Maybe you give up. Maybe you give up on God. I've seen people give up on church. Hey, you know what? I prayed for this or this certain thing happened, and uh, I'm just, I'm done with church. You've seen people to do that. And to some extent, you go, you know what? I, I totally understand. Maybe you just come to church, you go through the motions, serving, but not really trusting. Still in the back of your mind going, God, have you heard me? Point number one, the Christmas story proclaims, that a prayer prayed in faith never goes unheard. Let's look at verse 8 and following. Luke 1, 8. It's a great story. I love this. Love the story. Now it came to pass, while he, Zechariah, was performing his priestly service before God in the appointed order of his division. That's very important. According to the custom of the priestly office, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord. <clears throat> Excuse me, and to burn incense. Verse 10, and the whole multitude of the people were in prayer outside of, 
at the hour of the incense offering, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right of the altar of incense. And Zacharias was troubled when he saw him, and fear gripped him. And the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your petition has been heard. And your wife, Elizabeth, will bear a son, and you will give him the name John. God heard Zechariah and Elizabeth's prayer 50 years ago, 40 years ago, 30 years ago, 20 years ago. God heard. He didn't answer at the time, but he had heard their prayer. Your prayer is heard. And can I say this? God hears your prayer also. I can say on the authority of Scripture that God hears our prayer. How do I know that? Because hearing is a characteristic of God. This is a, this is a great story. You don't have to turn there, but you may want to write this down. Back in Genesis chapter 16. Here's the story that's going on back in Genesis. There is um, Abraham and he has a wife and Abraham's wife's name is, oh come on, Abraham's wife's name is Sarah. Yeah, just guess at it if you don't know, just go for it. Um, So that's just always the best thing to do in church, just go for it. You don't always have to be right, just be confident. All right, so Abraham's wife's name is Sarah and Sarah has the same issue. She can't bear a child either. And so uh, God comes to Abraham, what's well, Abram first, and he says, you're going to be the father of great nations, right? So we know the story. But Abram comes up with his own way of fixing things. And his wife, Sarah, she's barren. So Sarah has a, a maid or a maidservant or whatever you want to call her. Her name is Hagar, okay? And so Sarah comes up with this great idea. Um, here's what we're going to do, Abraham. I can't have children. I'm past that age or I'm barren, whatever. So I'm going to let you take Hagar as your wife to bear you a child so that God's promise to you can be fulfilled. And so Abraham goes, okay, sounds good to me. Um, And so not a smart thing to do really right there. So then, of course, Hagar gets pregnant. Sarah gets jealous, okay, which, of course, how that all works out, which is why we're supposed to just marry one person. All right, just one. Just, just pick one. Stay with them forever. That's God's plan from the beginning of time. And you start adding to that, and it just becomes messy. So anyway, here, here's what happens. Then uh, Sarah kicks Hagar out. You remember the story? She kicks Hagar out, and Hagar is pregnant. And here's what God says to Hagar in Genesis chapter 16, verse 11. The angel of the Lord said to Hagar, Behold, you are with child. And you shall bear a son, and you shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has given heed to your affliction. It translates Ishmael into the Lord hears. That's the name of Ishmael. The Lord hears. It's a characteristic of God. So going back to Zacharias and Elizabeth, God has heard their prayers, and I can say that God has heard my prayers as well, and your prayers. But there's more. Not only does God hear, point number two, the Christmas story proclaims this, a prayer prayed in faith will never go unanswered. Now, some of you may be pushing back in your personal stories right now, and I get that, so just keep tracking with me. We're just going to see where the story in the scripture goes. A prayer prayed in faith will never go unanswered. God answers Zechariah's prayer, and Elizabeth, your wife, will bear a son. 
God hears the request. He also sees what's best for us. I was speaking to our teenagers today in Sunday school, and I kind of um, preached the outline of this to them just to to see if they would fall asleep, and only one did. Um, The rest of them kind of stayed awake. Just joke. Y'all got to lighten up. I was just joking. Um, You ever had somebody fall asleep in church next to you? And you kind of wonder what to do. Like, oh, do I help them? Do I make them comfortable? You know, do do I bump them? Do I, you know, just kind of whatever. I'll never forget. I can't believe I'm going to tell you this story, but you don't know it, so I go ahead and do it. Um, I was in church one time. I was much, much younger. And there was a a well-advanced person from our church that had fallen asleep in church. And uh, the pastor, I don't think this was a smart thing to do, but the pastor walked right over to him and was preaching like in the congregation. It'd be like Lamar. And he just went like this really loud. And he like jumped. It was terrible. But I, I laughed. I thought it was pretty funny. It was terrible. I can't believe he did that. But anyway, so I won't be doing that. If somebody falls asleep, just let them sleep. They probably need it. Um, God hears our request and he sees what is best for us. Now, when I was preaching to, or I was teaching this to the youth this morning, um, we kind of came across the issue, but what about if he answers differently than what I've been praying? What if God answers what if I've been praying for something? Uh, let me give you an example about, uh, gosh, I don't know, 15 years ago. There was a young lady, a uh, strong Christian girl here in Spartanburg County, went to Dorman High School, um, homecoming queen, uh, got cancer. And we had the whole church. I was at First Baptist downtown Spartanburg at the time, and I was a youth worker. And the whole church was praying for her. Her name was Hannah Sebesky. Many of you probably heard the story. And we prayed and prayed and prayed, and she shared her testimony on TV. And, and, and she still ended up passing away. And I'll never forget her dad, Mickey Sebesky, standing up at, at the funeral and, and talking about how God's, God had worked in and through Hannah's life. When she went to MD Anderson and, and Houston, she had a doctor who was uh, an atheist, okay? But during their time of treatment, she was able to share a little bit of her story with the doctor. And, you know, um, Hannah's mom and her dad were both obviously solid believers. He was a coach at Dorman, and um, mom works in the school system. And they were just talking about how God was was using this, and they were praying and praying for healing, and they just trusted God. And um, and during her her funeral service, it was broadcast on the internet, and the doctor that was the atheist got to hear their dad at Hannah's funeral share how the gospel had changed their lives. Thousands, they, they think, thousands of people heard the gospel because of her passing. Now, let me just tell you this. If I'm Hannah's dad, I'm Hannah's mom, that doesn't make me feel a whole lot better. Let's just be honest. Selfishly, it doesn't make me feel better. I know God's working, but I want my child here. But sometimes God's answer is different from what our answer is. You understand what I'm saying here? Sometimes he has a different answer. But here's what I can promise. Romans chapter 8 verse 28 says this. All things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. It doesn't mean that all things are going to be good. That's what I've, that's what I've learned. I used, to, I used to misinterpret that. I've heard pastors misinterpret that. All things aren't good. I can't, I I just, it really throws in the face of anything the Bible says when a pastor stands up and says, everything's going to be okay. Can I tell you what, world? (laughs) 
It's not going to be okay. Have you all turned on the news this week? Have you turned on the news this week? We could just go from story to story to story. Everything in the world is not going to be okay. But God is sovereignly in control. And because I am someone who tries to follow according to his purpose, God will work all things together for good. Does that make sense? That's why we encourage people to follow after Christ. Because Not just because we want to, we want to fill up our churches or because we want more Christians. Listen, we understand that everything is not good. You might not have a better life by Friday. Your kids may not grow up to be the perfect kids, even though you raised them right. They may grow up to be stupid. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying. Let's just be honest. You ever had a kid, somebody else's kid, seen somebody else's kid grow up to be stupid? My best friend told me this. He's, he's got a, a three children, and, and they're a little bit older than, one of them's a little bit older than Emily, and one of them's just a little bit older than William. And um, he, he, he always kind of gives me advice because I'll come to him and say, well, this happened. He was like, oh, yeah, that happened to me last year. Here's what you need to do. And, um, every once in a while, we're just talking about boys, growing up boys. My son's here, William, very proud of William. He's getting ready to be 14. Is that right? 14 years old. Can't believe that. But here's what my best friend told me about boys. So if you've got boys, this is just a little free side note. From 12 to 22, all boys go stupid. That's what he told me. I was like, can, is anybody, can you agree with that? Anybody just nod your head and agree with that? Okay. Um, let me ask you this. Any guys at the house that are way over than, older than 22, when you were 12 to 22, you went stupid? I did for a little while. Okay. Um, the goal is let's get them back. <laughs> let's, let's get them back. So all your children aren't going to be perfect. Everything in your job may not work out, but here's what, here's what I know. If we are trusting in God, a prayer prayed in faith will never go unanswered. It'll never go unanswered. And it's not unanswered in Elizabeth's case, in Zechariah's case. And can I dare say, and I'm saying this on God's authority, it hasn't gone unanswered in your case. Even though you may not have an answer yet. And that is a hard thing to say. But I'm trusting the Lord to come through. Not just in my prayers, but in your prayers. Because probably right now, Several of us could stand up and go, here's where he's unanswered this. So let's keep going. Point number three. The Christmas story proclaims, even when God is silent, he is on time. Oh, this is where it gets so good. I, I, I love this. This is why studying the scripture is so important. Instead of just reading it, studying it just a little bit. Look at verses 16 and 17. I just want to read this to you. You read along with me. Basically, what's happening is Gabriel's talking to <clears throat> Elijah. I mean, I'm sorry, uh, Zacharias. And, and Gabriel is telling Zacharias what's going to happen. You're going to bear a son, and, and you're going to name him John, and he's going to have joy and gladness, and he's going to be basically the forerunner for Christ. And here's what he's supposed to do. But in verse 16, he says this, And he will turn back many of the sons of Israel to the Lord their God because some of the Jewish people had turned away from God. 400 years of silence, verse 17. And it is he who will go as a forerunner before him. Now everybody look at me. The word him in my Bible is capitalized. Is it capitalized in anybody else's Bible? Okay, why is it capitalized? Because that's deity. He's talking about Christ himself. 
okay? He's going to be a forerunner before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah. And here's a big quote. This actually comes from the Old Testament. To turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children. Now, why is that important? I'm glad you asked. If you just turn back just a little bit. In the book of Malachi, right before the 400 years of silence, one of the things that, that Malachi does as he actually says this, that there's going to be one who's going to come in the power of Elijah and he's going to turn Malachi chapter 4 verse 6. And he will restore the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers lest I come and smite the land with a curse. Zechariah is a priest. He knows the scriptures backwards and forwards. So when he hears that quoted by Gabriel, he goes, scriptures coming true. Prophecies coming true. God's plan involves something they did not see. So all Zechariah and Elizabeth see is, we've been serving you, God, for 50, 60 years. And you couldn't just answer this one prayer. All we wanted was a child. All we wanted was a son. He's not just going to be a son. He's going to be a forerunner to the Messiah. The perfect time for the world. In Galatians chapter 4, you don't have to turn there. I'm going to read it for you. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. Scripture says this. But when the fullness of the time came, God sent forth his son. When the fullness of the time came. You know what that means? That means that God's perfect timing, the forerunner of the Messiah, came. And it was the right time for Zechariah and Elizabeth. Can you imagine how that went? Because remember when Zechariah leaves, anybody remember what happens? Zechariah doesn't believe Gabriel, and Gabriel goes, are you kidding me? I sit next to God the Father himself. He tells me to do something. I go do it. And you're not going to believe me, Zechariah? Okay, well, here's what's going to happen. You're not going to be able to talk for the next nine months. Imagine how Elizabeth felt about that. A quiet house for the next nine months. I'm just wondering how that kind of played out. But when Zechariah gets home and he has to, like, sign language that she's going to get pregnant, and, and she's, you see, I mean, you see how comical this could actually kind of turn out? It was the right time for Zechariah and Elizabeth. And Zechariah's being, being chosen was God's sovereign plan. Now, this is where it gets tricky, and I want you to track with me. As I was studying this commentator, basically, Zechariah, so he was a priest, right? And his job, um, twice a year he would get called to the temple and he would have to do these priestly duties at the temple. But there was like 18,000 priests, okay? And this particular job that he had to do was do what? Burn, remember? Incense, right. So he had to burn incense. But the way that they picked that was through lots, like they were like throwing the dice kind of. And God used that back in those days, uh, we don't do that in the Baptist church, so but that's okay. Back then, God used it, and uh, and and that's how they would make decisions. Matthias, the the twelfth disciple, was chosen by casting of lots, and Jesus' clothes were uh, divvied out to those who were crucifying by the casting of lots. And here, Zacharias is chosen to to burn the incense by the casting of lots. But check this out. Here's what the commentator says: Zechariah was a member of the Abijah division on duty this particular week. 
Each morning, a priest was to enter the holy place in the temple and burn incense. Lots were cast to decide who would enter the sacred room at the Holy of Holies. And one day, the lot fell on Zechariah. Real quickly, when the priest entered the Holy of Holies, this is really cool. It was such a holy place, only one person could go in there. And if you went in there and you weren't supposed to go in there, you could be killed. Okay, It was a very holy place, right? So they would actually put bells on the robes or on like the legs of the of the priest going in there. So if he died while he was in there, they would hear the bells kind of jiggling around. And if it just, the bell stopped jingling, they'd be like, something's up. And they actually tied a rope around his leg so they could do what? So they could pull him out. I mean, this is a serious, serious deal. So lots were cast to decide who's going to enter the sacred room. And one day the lot fell on Zechariah. But it was not by chance that Zechariah was on duty and that he was chosen that day to enter the holy place, perhaps a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. God was guiding the events of history to prepare the way for Jesus to come to earth. You see how it's all coming together? We just sang a song called, You're Sovereign Over Us. That means God is in control. God is all-knowing, all-powerful, and he puts everything together perfectly. Verses 8 and 9 say this, Zechariah served for one week, twice a year at the temple, one perhaps 18,000 priests who served in a year. Offering the incense was something a priest could only do one time in his career. You see how this is all coming together? One time in his career, and it's on this day. Point number four, the Christmas story proclaims this. A prayer prayed in faith demands me to trust him with the outcome. This is a little bit practical here, and I'm just going to try and help us because I deal with this just like you are dealing with this. So that's easy to say, trust God with the outcome, but exactly how do I do that? You don't understand. I've been praying for this person for this many years. I've been praying for this situation in my life for this many years. You don't understand. This was taken away from me, and I've been praying for this for this many years. It's not fair. God hasn't heard. It hasn't been answered. You can preach all you want to, but in my life... I haven't seen it yet. How do I trust him in the middle of that? I came up with a couple of things. Number one, got to check my motives. Am I praying Matthew chapter 6, where Jesus is praying the Lord's Prayer and says, this is how you should pray, Your king, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Are we praying for God's will to be done? Or am I praying for my will to be done? i got to check my motives. Number two, if my heart and my motives are right, and this is the hard part, then I must, and one of the teenagers came up with this earlier, I must trust. I must trust that God's right and God's will is right and God is sovereign and I can look at the past and I can see how faithful he's been to me. And I can trust him with my future even when I don't see it. Psalms chapter 96. I'm sorry. Uh, Psalms chapter yeah, 96 verse 10 says this. 46 verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. God tells David in the middle of all the fighting that's going on. He feels like God's against him. He feels like everybody, all the, the armies are coming against him. God says, be still. Stop striving. It actually translates into cease striving, like stop. And just know that I'm God. That's hard to do, isn't it? Especially if you're a guy here 
and you want to do what you want to fix things, cease striving and know that I'm God. And here's the best part. Here's the best part. Point number five. A prayer prayed in faith yields a God-sized answer. This is, this is good. Pastor Kenny and I, I was kind of preaching this to him earlier in the week, and he was kind of like, gets, he, anytime you say something to Pastor Kenny, you say, hey, I, have you heard this? And he says, yeah, but what about this? I don't know if you've ever experienced that with Kenny, or hey, I got an idea, could we do this? He says, that's a great idea, but what if you did this? And so we were kind of going back and forth with something like that. Check this out. God could have answered Elizabeth's prayer with a child 40 or 50 years ago. And they would have just had a child and she would have been happy and uh, Zacharias would have been happy and everybody would have been happy. But God didn't for a reason. Everybody turn in your scriptures to Luke chapter 7. This is great. Luke chapter 7 verse 28 says this. Jesus is talking. Luke seven twenty eight. Jesus is talking. He says, I say to you, among those born of woman, there is no one greater than John. No one greater than John. Now, who said this? Jesus himself. He prepared the way for the Messiah. He wasn't just a child that made a mom and dad happy and maybe had some kids. He was the chosen forerunner to the Messiah. And if you go a little bit further in Luke, this is just do some studying on your own time, but check this out. If you go a little bit forward in Luke, whenever Mary gets pregnant and she goes to see Elizabeth. So Elizabeth's pregnant. She's not supposed to be pregnant, right? She's uh, in her sixth month. And Mary, when she becomes pregnant, she goes to Elizabeth. And check this out what the scripture says. It says that when Elizabeth heard the voice of Mary, the baby inside of Elizabeth jumped with joy and, check this out, was filled with the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Spirit before he was even born when he heard the voice of Mary, the mother of Jesus. Isn't this crazy how this all works out? God's timing is perfect. My unanswered prayer is not unanswered. My unheard prayer is not unheard. It just seems on this side. Jesus says, no one is greater than John. God didn't just answer, check this out. God didn't just answer Elizabeth and Zechariah's prayer with a child. He answered their prayer with the greatest human being to ever walk on the planet. The greatest human being to ever walk on the planet. So God's going, hey, I haven't answered your prayer. Hold on. Hold on. I've got a plan. Isaiah says this. God's ways are not our ways. His ways are what? Higher than our ways, right? Hold on. God's got a plan. Now, I'm not going to stand up here and tell you everything's going to be okay. Because we've seen friends who've lost children at 16, 17 years old. To me, on this end, it doesn't seem like everything's okay, but God's got a plan. Let me ask you this prayer, I mean this question. What prayer 
do you need to pray? What prayer have you been praying, let's be honest, that seems unheard by God and unanswered by God? I just want to tell you to pray it again. And because of the authority of God's word, just through one little story, now this is all throughout scripture, but just one little story of Elizabeth and Zechariah's prayer request that seemed unheard and seemed unanswered, and God answered it and heard it with a magnificent answer. Keep praying the prayer you have. Trust. Check your motives. Am I praying with the right attitude? I want to apply this real quickly. Here's what I want to do. There's, there's some of us here, and I don't know how many. Kenny and I were just in our minds kind of just tracking through the congregation. And, and there's, um, can I just say this? We've got a lot of people in our church. There's a lot of messed up stuff going on in families, right? Can I just ask you, in your family, you got anybody that's messed up? Anybody? Just multiply that by like 200, okay? A lot of stuff going on. A lot of people here trying to serve the Lord. A lot of people here wondering, God, why are you letting this happen? Our marriage, this addiction, this lost person I've been praying for, this job, my future, my finances. When we pray on Tuesday mornings, I tell you this all the time, we pray through the prayer request that you write on the back of the, of the, of the card there. And we pray through every, every single one of them we pray for. Uh, it's one of my favorite times during the whole week. There's a lot of stuff going on. And some of you here are sitting on a prayer that you've been praying for years or months or weeks. And you need God to, to at least acknowledge that he's heard it and that he's going to answer. Maybe not right now, but that he's going to answer. And that's you. In just a minute, um, as I'm praying, I'm going to, uh, Jane's going to come up and do some music. And, and we're, here's what we're going to do during the invitation be a little bit different. When they start playing and singing and we stand, we're just going to stand and we're going we're gonna to bow our heads, but here's what I'm asking you to do. If you've been praying for something, I'm going to ask you to keep on praying. I'm going to ask you just to come to the altar. Not right now, but just a minute when we start. As soon as we start the music. and I'm pr- Even while I'm praying, you can come in just a minute. You're praying for something and you're bold enough to say, you know what, God, I need you to come through. Guys, this is bold. I can't come through for you. Kenny can't come through for you. But God Almighty can come through for you. By the power of the scripture I can teach, God can and will come through for us in his sovereign answer. He can. And he's waiting. So I'm going to ask you to come and and just come kneel. Maybe it's two of you. Maybe it's 20 of you. I don't know. But I just want you to come and and just kneel and just pray. Nobody's going to be looking around. It really shouldn't matter if they are anyway. If it's serious enough, it doesn't matter if anybody's looking. But... Then here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you're a, a believer here at, at Buck Creek Baptist and you would say, you know what, I believe in the power of prayer, then I'm going to ask you at that point in time, once these people get here, to come and kind of gather around them. And I just want you to pray. Pray quietly. You can reach out and touch them. You can just stand around them. Maybe it's somebody that you know. Maybe it's somebody you're close to. Maybe you don't even know the need. That's okay. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to test God. And we're going to do what he tells us to do. It says in 2 Corinthians five seventeen, pray continuously. Philippians chapter 4, don't worry about anything, 
but by everything in prayer and supplications. Lift your request of God and listen what will happen. The God of peace will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That's a promise from scriptures. So we're just going to have a time of those that need prayer, you come and you just pray. And then those, if you'll just gather around them. Now, if you're here and you don't know Christ and you can't even pray, Pastor Kenny is going to be here. We'll have counselors here. We'd love to share that with you. Maybe you just need a counselor to pray with you. We've got counselors that will be up here in just a minute as well. But guys, this is, this is the truth of God's word. This is what happened. This is what kicked off the Christmas season. It's a gift before the gift. I mean, this is like the gift you get to open up on Christmas Eve. You know, John the Baptist, for him to even be born was a miracle. But more than that, it was an answer to prayer. So we're going to do that this morning. Let's bow our heads and I'm just going to ask Jane and whoever to come on up. And As I'm praying, um, I, I realize that this is a difficult, uh, it's a difficult subject. You start dealing with things that have happened and is God really answering? And it seems like he's answering over here, but not in my life. But if that's you here this morning, I just want to pray for you. We as a church just want to pray for you. We're a, we're a family. And if we really believe that we're a family, then we're going to pray for one another. And we're going to test God and we're going to ask him just to come through to answer however he sees fit in his way and his time. We're going to ask God to to continue to give us patience to wait on him. We're going to ask God to heal or or to, to save or to bring back a prodigal child or to heal a marriage. God, I just want to pray right now. That God, you would, you would, your spirit would move in this place. And those that need an, a touch from you, an answer from you, a, a reassurance that you're even listening. God, that you hear their prayers, that you have an answer, that you're sovereign. I pray for them right now. God, I just pray, even as the music's playing, that they would begin to come. And they would just kneel at the altar. Nobody's looking around. God, we're just, we just want your spirit to move in a great way. So God, right now, I just ask that, that God, as they're praying, God, that whatever the need is, God, I don't know them all. I don't know the needs. God, you know them. God, whatever the need is, God, would you help us to get out of the way and just trust you? God, I just, maybe somebody's been like me praying for a lost friend for 10, 13 years. Lord, I, I continue to pray for him. Lord, you know my heart. God, he seems so far away from you, but I just want to keep praying. God, I believe that you know him and you love him and you care for him and that he's, he's far from you. God, I want to pray for him. Lord, I pray for those that are, have come and are kneeling or are going to come. And then, Lord, I pray for the rest of our, our church because here's the deal. At some point, we're going to come across a situation in our lives where you seem to be silent. God, can I ask you to help us to trust you? Lord, I do want to pray if there's someone here that doesn't know Christ as their Savior. They don't know for sure if they died, they'd be with you in heaven. I pray today they would say, I want to put my faith and trust in Jesus. I want to have that relationship with a God that answers a prayer like he did with John. He didn't just answer a prayer for a child. God, he answered a prayer with the greatest man to ever walk on the planet besides Jesus. That's 